Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. We've been going through the Psalms of Ascent, which have been these opportunities that Israel took uh, to go and, and travel to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage to go and, and, and meet with God. And they would celebrate and remember his name and revel in all of how great and awesome and wonderful he is. And, and so we've been doing that as we've been walking through this Psalms of Ascent. So I'm glad you're here today. By the way, my name is Mike, one of the pastors here. And I don't know if you knew this, but these next few months, September and October, are the best months for sports fans. Did you know that? I mean, high school sports and school sports are in full swing. Professional football has started. Kids' soccer has happened. Christy and I just went and spent a good part of Saturday at our kids' soccer, uh, grandkids' soccer games. Um, There's all kinds of other things. October is where baseball playoffs and the World Series, basketball, hockey begins, college football rivalry matches, and international soccer rivalries are Uh, going on as well and so so much fun to be a sports fan because we love to watch whether it's our team or other teams just do well I mean you know those well-oiled machines of teams making it happen any of you any of you sports fans here yeah, there's some of you in there. Uh, we have on our staff some uh, a number of sports fans. Kind of some are fanatical, like like Pastor Justin. He's really into the Seattle Seahawks. Thank you. <laughs> Last service, there was one person, woo, and that was it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. okay, you can say that, Haley. You're from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and then uh, some of you don't know this yet, but our, our, our newer staff person, Jericho Almaranez, he is a football fan, but not an American football fan, the real football soccer fan. And his team, you can probably, I don't know if you can see it from here, it's, it's Liverpool. Is, is his team uh, from Liverpool. Uh, I'm more of a Manchester United kind of a guy, but uh, so you can tease Jericho about Liverpool if you ever watch uh, uh, soccer in that way. But there's all kinds of things. I mean, when I was, uh, uh, when we lived up in the Bay Area, I was, uh, I went, took Josh, my son, to a lot of 49er games. Yeah. One. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Richard was up in the Bay Area for a while. And that, and then also, but I grew up in San Diego area, so naturally I'm a uh, Chargers fan. Okay, we got a few of those there. That's right. But see, I can't. It's really hard for me to say Los Angeles Superchargers. You know, it it doesn't ring as much as San Diego Superchargers. I was there in the. uh, I went to went to a couple of games with the Dan Fouts era, if you even care about that. But that's. that's And then, uh, any Angels fans? Wow. Come on, any Angels fans? Okay, there's a few of them there. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the Dodgers hat? And all I just say is why. But if you live in in the city of Cyprus... Cypress High School has been doing amazing. So Cypress Centurions, woo! Yeah, but we won't talk about last Friday's game. It didn't quite go so well. Our star quarterback, who happens to be part of our youth ministry here, was uh, on injured reserve uh, there at that. But we love to watch these teams play. And yes, rivalries and fun to get behind them because it's all about the team. Uh, They're working together in unity to win. For it's the teams that work together, that trust each other, that help each other, that encourage each other, that build that unity. And it's that unity that wins games. See, unity is key. 
in much of life, in business, in relationships, in a work team, in marriages, in community action groups, and in the church. Unity is vital. Jesus desires unity among his followers, those who call themselves Christians. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for our unity. And it's recorded in John chapter 17, verse 11. It says this, and I, Jesus is speaking, and I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world talking about us Christians. And, and I'm coming to you, Jesus says to God, Holy Father, he's praying now, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one, Jesus speaking of Father, Son, Holy Spirit as one and saying that we want all believers to be one in that same sense of unity. Jesus goes on in his prayer in John chapter 17 and he, he mentions again our unity in verse 21. And, and unity is not only so we are a good team together on this earth, but also as John 17, 23 says, Jesus says, I am in them and you and me talking to God <clears throat> that they may become perfectly one. And here's the reason, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as I have loved you. So the, the, our unity reveals something about God, God's unity, but also about God's love. And in a world of hate and divisions and canceling and violent vengeance and bullying and retaliation, unity is vital. So for, for unity, for unity to be, builds that peace, it builds that peace and builds an environment where God's healing and help and love happens because God resides in unity. And as we come to the conclusion of these Psalms of Ascent, these last two Psalms, Psalm 133 and 134, deal with the unity and blessing of God's presence. Because we said a few times a year, the, the, Israel would, people of Israel would make their way to Jerusalem <clears throat> to, to be celebrating in the temple where God's presence was concentrated. And they could sense him in worship and they were blessed and, and they blessed God and they sang and they prayed just like we've been doing here in the temple courts. Together, yet, yes, individually, but united, connected, interdependent on with others. And that may be a bit difficult for some to understand because maybe you come from a more individualistic culture, me, my, I, kind of a sense of reality. Others come from a more collectivistic culture, me, us, together, all those things. And regardless of whatever your outlook is, we are to foster unity and to embrace, embrace blessing. Uh, and, when, and when they came to the temple, that was a place, a physical place. Well, when Jesus died, the, the, the veil was torn in the temple and, and now we don't worship in a certain location, even though the church is a great place to worship, but the temple really is in our hearts of those of you who believe. And, that is a, and we worship in spirit and truth as Jesus talked to the woman at the well in John 4. But we, but, and in these Psalms of Ascent, these Psalms 133 and 134, encourage us with two truths in the presence of God. For the humble choice for unity and the intentional action of blessing draws us together and towards the Lord. So I want for us to explore these two Psalms of Ascent. But before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, let's, let's pray and ask God to, to challenge us. I believe God has something for you. There's some blessing or encouragement or teaching he wants you to gain. You may have already got it already from the great singing that we did of sense of God and, and all of that, but maybe God has something else for you in his word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your amazing and wonderful word. Lord, these pilgrims would be reciting all of these Psalms, Psalm 120 to 134. And, and Lord, now we're here at the last few of them and we wanna gain from this. 
Uh, so open our mind and our spiritual eyes and ears that we may hear what you have for us and we want to receive it. And so use this time, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat and encourage you to take out the outline that Haley was throwing all over the stage for you. <clears throat> and uh, inside there, those is that, is that prayer request for you. Fill that out. We'd love to pray with you about anything that's on your heart and mind. And, and if you turn over the outline, there's some blanks to fill in. And those answers will be up on the screen. I also encourage you to pick up one of our study guides there in the lobby area. Uh, as you go out these double doors, turn right. There's a table resource table, desk right there. This is our study guide in there that has all the answers to the fill in the blanks. But what's more important than that is all the extra verses. And I use a lot of extra verses. I know uh, some of you try to write them down. If Don't worry about that. They're in the study guide, so pick that up. There's also some great questions that many of our life groups use and encourage you to grab that up. It's great for personal study because we want you to delve into God's word. That's the idea. We want you to look up these verses and, and be challenged with them and read them and mull them over and all of that. And to help you, we've also placed some other articles uh, in that. There's a revived section of our webpage and then there's a link to our podcast. So our podcast is on pause for just a couple of weeks. We'll be picking up when we reach our fall focus, our all church focus. And so we hope you join us in that. Well, I'm not sure... Um, what your experience of a road trip is. Probably amazing because you guys are all fun people. But, but there are times towards reaching your destination, that destination, where quite possibly conflicts can break out. Maybe spats and arguments, feelings uh, get unintentionally or intentionally hurt, words fly, and the stress of travel and the newness of all that you're experiencing can lead away from unity and blessing and sometimes more towards fights and divisions. Now, maybe that's why the editors who put the Psalms of Ascent together place these two Psalms at the end that speak about unity and blessing. Because these people have been on a road trip. They have been traveling with kids in tow uh, and all the stresses of travel with there. And, and, and now they, they've made it made quite possibly in the courts of the temple and to keep them focused on gaining from all of God that God's presence offer, that help and hope and alignment and knowing God better and more, the subject of unity and blessing of God's presence is brought up here in Psalm 133 and 134. For the humble choice of, for unity and the intentional action of blessing brings us together and towards the Lord. So the first of these two truths in the presence of God is the good of unity. And if you haven't already done so, why don't you take your Bible and open up to Psalm 133. And uh, let me just read, you've already heard Jocelyn read that so wonderfully. And now let's, let me read it again. Verses one to three, 130, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down in the beard, the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mounts of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. To live in unity is not necessarily conformity, but harmony or being more complementary. Now that's not complimentary with an I, it's complimentary with an E, which means, uh, 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 complimentary with an I means, oh, that's a great shirt you're wearing, but complimentary with an E means two different things coming together and making something beautiful. I'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but, but it's more complimentary, togetherness, and, and, and the give and take of relationships 
properly dealing with difficulty and conflict and mutual respect and love and care and kindness. Now, not divine in human terms, not kindness in human terms or love in human terms, because we tend to want to make our own definition like of love. Well, you're not loving me. And because and, and your definition of love is always believing everything you say. <laughs> it's kind of like that commercial. I think it's a Lexus commercial. The person says, you don't love me anymore. And goes, what, what are we even talking about? Well, you don't buy me a Lexus. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, in human terms, we, we our def- definitions are all over the place. But what we need to do is, is, is align ourselves to God's definition. And he's the perfect definition. Now, if you want a definition of God's love and what kind of love we should share with others, Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses four to around verse eight. And really a lot of the Bible talks about that, but that one's concentrated. Love is patient, love is kind, all those things. So we're to, 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 to keep in unity as God defines unity. Here's another biblical definition and understanding of unity in Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The truth is unity doesn't just happen. It's not the current of the day. I mean, it's quite the opposite. So so we need to actually purpose to be unified. And Ephesians tells us how. It takes seeking humility, that not seeking of self, but seeking the good and blessing of others. It also takes gentleness that kind-hearted caring of others. And yeah, kind-hearted caring of self. Not self over others, but self with others. Unity takes patience with others. And yet there are times when out of love, we need to move on. Like the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. That's a great passage to go study. It talks about some of the, one of the spats in the Bible. John Mark was, Barnabas said, hey, let's take John Mark on our journey. And Paul says, absolutely not. He's a deserter. I'm not going to take him. And they argued. And they didn't, they didn't come to an agreement. And so they split up. Paul went with Silas and Barnabas went with John Mark. Uh, out of love, but yet there was still some, mm, some tension flowing in there. Because sometimes that's what happens. But most of the time, unity takes bearing with one another in love that hanging in there out of love like Jesus with each other, because there are times we are not so easy to love. Here come the jabs from the person next to you. (laughs) Well, it's you too. I mean, I know I'm a piece of work and uh, I'm not so easy to love. Yeah, Christy agrees with me. Oh, that's what you were saying. Okay. Yet in that, love still confronts and still exhorts. Unity also takes a commitment to unity in the spirit. For God has brought us who believe into one family. And yes, we need to just get along. So it takes effort. But there will be conflict. And yes, biblical unity includes loving confrontation of sin and even separation if there's no resolve. See, those who are acting foolishly, now I mean foolishly defined by the Bible. You can think who's a fool all you want, but the Bible has a definition of foolishness. It's overarching one is a fool is one who is right in their own mind. All through Proverbs, is a, you can define uh, foolishness there, but, but those who are foolish or, or those who scoff or those who spread disunity, disconnection may be the 
right, but last choice. And I would always encourage you to seek counsel in those regards. The Bible speaks of this. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 14, 7 and 9. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. I'll talk about that there will be times when you need to separate yourself from people like that. Again, in last resort and take a lot of counsel in that. It all the while, love. Now, Paul does challenge the Roman church who are dealing with disunity and division to love. Romans 12, nine and 10 says, let love be genuine. Now that Greek word genuine is a very unique word. It means that it is so intense, so real, so undeniable, so verifiable that it is authentic, that you can count on that feeling of love. It is as good as gold, tested and tried and it's perfect. And he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So we're to be kind. See, this, this church in Rome was just busting apart all over power. Who's gonna have the power? The Gentile Christians or the Jewish Christians? And they're fighting each other. And then there's Christ, there just pagans who became Christians and go, what do we do? And they're stuck in the middle. And it's, Paul tried to bring in this unity. Yes, focusing on Christ, but he says, come on, let love be genuine. Be kind and not vengeful, acting honorably to all and to seek peace for everyone. That's what biblical unity looks like. And we should be striving on to foster that kind of unity. For when we do, as, he, as, as um, Psalms 133 verse one says, it, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. That Hebrew word for pleasant literally means beautiful or sweet to the taste. See, the humble choice for unity and, and the intentional action of blessing brings us together and towards the Lord because unity is a good thing. It's, it's like precious oil, not just standard ordinary oil, but precious oil, that really fine stuff. Oil was, was valuable in ancient times and used for perfumes and cosmetics and refreshing. People anoint your head in oil to make you refreshed and, 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 and in cooking and in showing special recognition and acceptance, like an anointing, if you want a verse for that. Uh, 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 Psalms 23, verse five. And oil is a good thing. Unity is a good thing. It refreshes and adds life like oil. And this oil that is poured out on Aaron, the high priest, this oil was a special oil made specifically for anointing of the high priest. You can actually find the recipe for that oil in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 33. This oil was unique and special, and so is unity. It's a unique blend of actions and interactions that waft off a pleasant aroma that can draw people to God. You ever smelt freshly baked bread? Oh, or better than that, freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, the smell of that just draws you right to them and draw and just draws you. Well, the idea is that so does the fresh aroma of unity. It draws us together. It draws us towards God because disunity and division stink. They stink. So now the big question, where are you? Are you more stinky? Or are you more that wafting aroma, beautiful aroma of unity? 
The choice is ours. This oil that runs down, this unity that runs down, when it's in abundance, it flows and covers much of life. Like an anointing from God that flows over like a gift. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to his change. This gift of unity not only flows on Aaron's head and his beard, but also onto his clothing, his robe, which had sewn into it the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, saying that unity can have a wonderful effect in all of God's people. See, when we come to faith, that moment where we understand that we're sinful, that we need a savior and it's Jesus. When we come to faith, we can be part of this oil that covers and flows and spreads out. And it's good to all because there is a good in unity. Another illustration of unity as coming, something coming down on verse three, Psalm 133, it says, like the dew of Hermon, which flows on the mountain of Zion. That can be read like this, that unity is like the dew of the Mount Hermon, which is a tall mountain in that area with good amounts of rain and snow and, and mountain mist and lush vegetation. It was a beautiful reality that that kind of, of climate would then be miraculously brought down to the desert where Zion was, Jerusalem on that hill. Unity is like the, the, the greatness of this climate over here miraculously coming down where it shouldn't be. Because unity breathes life into deserts and unity helps us thrive. It's miraculous. It's so precious and so good. Unity helps us thrive in life. Unity is a good thing and we should strive after it for the humble choice of unity and the intentional action of blessing brings us together and towards God. So how do we choose and help build and create unity? Well, Paul, back to the Roman church, shows us how. And I want you to turn to that if you can. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. And we'll be looking at verses 14 to 18. Paul is trying to help this church come together and to create unity. And so he says this in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Bless means to give honor, to bestow goodness and favor. Verse 15, rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. He's talking about having empathy. You know what empathy is? That's ability to feel with others. To not just go, oh, that's great, but actually to sit with them and understand and sit with their feelings and let it flow over us and let us tip our toe into them and, and, and try to gain some understanding that we can of what they might be feeling. Walking in their shoes, understanding their feelings that unity takes empathy. The verse goes on, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Harmony means that, that, that we live as a complement with another. Now here's this compliment, this word complement with an E. It's taking two different things and having them come together in a complementary relationship now, I like food, as you can tell. <laughs> I like food, and, and so food illustrations help me. So here's a great complementary relationship. Peanut butter and chocolate. <sighs> they come together and make an amazing, amazing complementary relationship. Maybe it's sushi and wasabi come together. 
Maybe, oh, this one's so good. Macaroni and cheese and ketchup. Oh, what, you don't like that one? Oh, come on. Have you tried it? You think of your own illustration of complementary, but the idea of unity, it's taking two different things and finding the complement in them and bringing it together to make something beautiful and wonderful. That's living in harmony. Next is to do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Don't be a fool. In other words, don't be proud or self-seeking or others focused or foolish. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give honor to those that, but give thought to what is honorable. In other words, we're not to be vengeful, but to be honoring. Honorable means that which is good and in line with what God teaches. And then I love verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Because the truth is, there is going to be times and there are going to be people that you just seem to can't find the connection with. And you've done everything you can to have a great relationship and try to be complimentary and try to be all those things, but they pull away or they're being foolish or they're being whatever. But as far as it depends upon you, still being humble that maybe you messed up somewhere, still being humble and seeking and rejoicing and weeping and, 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 and empathy and harmony and complimentary and all those things, because those are the things that build unity to seek after those things as far as it depends upon you. With a humble choice for unity and intentional action of blessing brings us together and towards the Lord. That's the good of unity in Psalm 133. Let's now hit Psalm 134. So if you're in your Bibles, turn back to Psalm 134 and let's look at that because we're gonna look at the greatness of blessing Psalm 134, one to three, come. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by day in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the, to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. We are to bless the Lord in our worship and we are to receive God's blessing to us. So how do we bless God? Well, the first action is the first word in this Psalm is to Come to take action, to come to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. To draw near is to set our attention on. It's an act of worship, act of humble worship, to set aside time in the presence of God. Just like these pilgrims, they came to worship at the temple. We can come to worship and to take time and to make time, yes, in unity with others, but also individually. However, if you rarely are in with others, something is missing. All ages and stages of life, men and women, all cultures, all backgrounds, join together in praise. And as the Psalm says, all the servants of the Lord gathered together, all of God's people, including the professionals, in those days, it would be the Levites and the minstrels all together leading in worship, singing day and night. And they were all to bless the Lord and we're all to bless the Lord. Blessing has been talked about all through these Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 124, verse six, Psalm 128, verses four and five, Psalm 129, verse eight, Psalm 132, verse 15. 
To bless the Lord is to praise the God for, for who he is because his greatness warrants it. He is that huge and awesome and amazing and wonderful that we should go off and praise him because he's the one who created it all. You can look out at the expanse of this giant mountain. God created that down to the flowers that are on the mountain, down to the little bugs that are on the flowers in the mountain. God created every single one of them out of nothing. Just put it together and there it is. Because God can do that. He's so immense and he's so strong and he's so mighty. The expanse of the world goes on and on and on of the, of the universe always going on. They've yet to find the end of it and God is that huge. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is mighty. He's almighty. He's huge and wonderful and beautiful and yet he's so big and awesome and amazing and there's nothing he cannot do but yet so intimate and personal. Knitting us together inside our mom when he created us because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. What do you praise God for? Blessing also includes thanking him, taking moments in time and thanking him. I was, we have our kids living with us and so our, our grandkids are easily accessible, which is a whole lot of fun. I came home early one lunch and a little Jojo, the youngest of uh, Jericho's family, Jericho and Jess's family, and she was there and she looks up to me and lately she's been going, Papa, when she sees me. This time she was going, Papa. <laughs> and she reached up her hands for me to hold her up, up. So I hold her and she just, she grabbed her little arms around my neck and just nestled her head under my neck and reached her little feet around me and grabbed a hold of me and just pulled in. And oh man, whoo. <laughs> ah. I just sat there and just praised God. I thanked him for the, the this little family and, and, and just the wonder of that and the beauty of that and just spent time thanking God. To bless God is to thank God, but also to humbly confess our dependence on him, to cry out, Lord, I need you. There have been many times these past few weeks that I've cried out to God that I desperately needed his wisdom and his help and he showed up in miraculous ways and I felt God's presence for the humble choice of unity and the intentional action of blessing brings us together towards the Lord. That dependence on God is expressed in, in upheld hands, just like little Jojo was expressing upheld hands to me. But in worship, it's, it's blessing God sometimes has a physical part to it. And if you are able, different postures can aid and enhance worship. Yet it can't be or nor should it be contrived or forced. When I came to faith, the, the style of worship in that church was very personal and you really didn't move. You sang your hymns, you closed your hymns, you sat down. There was no movement a lot in that church. And that's okay, I, I didn't understand, but as, as I grew in the Lord and what the Bible teaches about raising hands and dancing before the Lord, it's wonderful. Actually, it was a couple weeks ago, I, I think it was the first gathering. Um, 
we were, we were singing a song. It was a more of a, of a lively song. And, and we were dancing. Uh, we were dancing. Well, little Jacob Smith was over here and he was dancing. He was just like moving and it's, he's just getting, he was just loving it. His, his dad was pulling him back, you know, and, and I wanted to go over and say, you know, it's okay. Let him worship. But then I thought people would think that I was trying to squelch that not in any way, because actually that's how I want to worship. When I get so excited about how amazing and awesome and wonderful God is, man, I just want to move, you know, and it's in that song that way. And it just makes me move. And there's nothing wrong with that. As we express our love for God and just let the spirit flow, not forced or so that others noticed, but celebrating and crying out to God and worshiping before him. So you should not judge people's physical expression of worship, but feel free. And in this blessing of God, look to receive a blessing from God. How do we receive a blessing from God? It says, he says, may the Lord bless you from Zion. It comes from him. When we're in worship, when we draw close to him with an openness to receive what God would do for us, he will. Maybe it's a sense of peace, or maybe it's something material, or maybe it's an answer to prayer, or maybe it's a building character in your life, or maybe it's healing or help, or just that sense of belonging, or that sense of God's presence. God knows our need. So be open to him. Trust he will bless you as he sees fit. For the humble choice of unity and the intentional action of blessing brings us together and towards God. You know, teams succeed with unity. We thrive in life when we strive after unity and love. There is unity and blessing in God's presence. Psalm 133 talks of the good of unity, that it takes a choice to be kind and love and respect, including confrontation at times. Unity is miraculously good, refreshing and life-giving. Psalm 134 speaks of the greatness of blessing where we come to the Lord with praise and thanksgiving and, and admiration. And in that we also receive whatever God wants for us and desires for us. The truth is he may have already given it to us. We just haven't recognized it. With a humble choice of unity and the intentional action of blessing brings us together towards the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for just the the greatness of who you are. <laughs> you are amazing. And we have the privilege and the honor to spend time and bless you with praise and thanksgiving and that dependence on you, that seeking you with upheld hands of dependence. And so God, thank you for being such an incredible God that way. You have loved us well and have made yourself known to us. And no, Lord, we sometimes struggle with our own thoughts. Lord, when we live life your ways, it all straightens out. So Lord, thank you. Help us to be people of unity, that we would follow your teachings and, 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 and waft out that wonderful aroma, that pleasant aroma when brothers live in unity. Help us in that, God. Challenge us where we could, maybe we're being, we're being more stinky, <laughs> than that fragrant aroma of, of unity. And God also challenge us as we bless you and, and receive your blessing. Help us even in that. We don't know even how to worship well sometimes. So thank you, God.
Thank you for these Psalms of Ascent. They have helped us be more interactive with you in your presence. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.